Women's Health Melbourne is an innovative, holistic fertility and women's health practice. We are world leaders in IVF and egg freezing and provide our patients with every opportunity to achieve their goals. Our hand-picked expert team provides the ultimate care experience for our patients. Reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and follow us at Women's Health Melbourne and at Dr Rayleigh Alou. Welcome to Knocked Up, the podcast about fertility and women's health. You are joined as always by me, Geordie Morrison, and Dr. Rayleigh Liu, CREI Fertility Specialist. Today's episode is a listener request. Chemical pregnancies. No idea what this one is, Rayleigh. What is a chemical pregnancy? Why would we be asked this? What a biochemical pregnancy is, is it is a pregnancy that's detected by the presence of pregnancy hormone in either urine or blood without actually going further to develop into a pregnancy. And why we'd be asked about this, I guess because of the availability of home testing kits mainly um, in terms of urine. And one side of the coin about knowing a lot more about our bodies is that we're a little more in tune about what could be happening. The other side of that coin is that we are finding the temptation of testing for pregnancy a little too early And biochemical pregnancies happen a lot to everyone, no matter how fertile you are or infertile, because when we get pregnant, the first thing that happens when sperm meets egg in the fallopian tube is that the embryo travels down the fallopian tube to the uterus, and as a blastocyst, it tries to implant, and it starts making pregnancy hormone, and it's like a little signal to the body I'm here, look after me. (laughs) And sensitive tests these days can pick that hormone up as early as, you know, 10 days after ovulation, but not every pregnancy is going to make it. So we're detecting some of those little ones that unfortunately are going to fizzle and aren't going to make it to be a baby. So that's a biochemical pregnancy. And what is a chemical pregnancy in your body? What's happening in your body? In your body, you have... Egg and sperm have definitely met. As soon as you've picked up pregnancy hormone, it means, yes, fertilization has definitely happened. There's no other source of pregnancy hormone if you haven't used it as a drug. I guess some people who are doing ovulation induction in a supported fashion may have pregnancy hormone as a drug given to them. And certainly a lot of women who have IVF have pregnancy hormone given to them as a drug. Pregnancy hormones are really cute and interesting hormone. Because it's a very close cousin to the hormone LH, luteinizing hormone, which is a really important hormone of the ovulation cycle, of the menstrual cycle. And LH is the hormone that we measure looking for the surge that happens to trigger ovulation. Because it's a really, really close relative of HCG or pregnancy hormone, beta-HCG is the official name, we can use HCG as a drug actually when we're trying to tweak somebody's fertility and we use it a lot in IVF known as the trigger medicine which is the medicine we give to prepare the body for an IVF egg collection. I can talk about that a little bit more if you like but any uh, drug that you've you've given uh, when you've given HCG as a drug you'll pick it up on a pregnancy test so 
if you are someone who has done IVF or who has been treated for ovulation induction with a trigger or has used HCG hormone as a luteal phase support medication, so a after ovulation medication, then you'll get false positives if you do a pregnancy test. So we call a true biochemical pregnancy a pregnancy that we're sure has been made by an embryo, a pregnancy hormone rise that has been, we are sure has been made by an embryo trying to implant and hasn't been given as a drug. Is there a reason we're hearing more about them now? I think we're hearing more about everything now in terms of fertility, but I think more people are aware of biochemical pregnancies than perhaps in the past. Uh, I suppose in our grandmother's generation, it would have been completely unheard of to do a peyonistic pregnancy test. They just didn't exist. So back in the day, the first sign of a pregnancy would be having missed a period and probably having missed a period for a significant amount of time, you'd go and see a doctor and potentially maybe in our mother's generation already get a pregnancy test on a blood test. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's just, I'm saying that just to illustrate how novel it is to really analyse early pregnancy. It's not something that's age old. In terms of being more aware of biochemical pregnancies, I think, look, it's social. We've been putting pregnancy off till a little bit later in life and then pivoting to decide that we want to be immediately pregnant and then hyper-analyzing every menstrual cycle. Like everything else, we want immediate gratification. I think we're like that now, potentially anxiety-provoking. Hard to, hard to really comfort a woman when she's detected a biochemical pregnancy and been really sad about it mm-hmm. because if you check every single woman trying to get pregnant, there's a 50% chance of biochemical pregnancy every single time we try because a lot of the time, you know, egg and sperm get together, they start to form an embryo and it's a miracle and happens frequently that everything goes right but a lot of the time it's not surprising that mistakes happen and it's part of the nature of human biology that that's the case. So if we are increasing our vigilance in detecting early pregnancy, we're going to detect a a whole lot more pregnancies that unfortunately are destined not to make it. When it doesn't make it, what happens? So if you have an embryo and it tries to implant and it doesn't make it at a very early stage, you probably wouldn't notice Mm. too much. You might not even have a delay of your period or if you have a delay of your period, it might be a day or two delay. And this actually is a really common scenario and I've had patients come and see me about this when their menstrual cycle has been clockwork, really regular, you know, they could by metronome know when their period was coming and then suddenly they stop using contraception, barrier contraception and instead of having a 28-day cycle, one month they have a 29-day cycle or a 32-day cycle and they've noticed this when they've started trying. And the reason for this is biochemical pregnancy, whether it's detected or not, what's happened is egg and sperm have met, they've had a go, and they haven't made it, but they've managed to shift the kind of um, goalposts of the menstrual cycle by a day or two. And this happens a lot. So it's nothing to worry about if that's your situation, if you're listening and you think, gee, I, I can, that, that situation resonates with me. That's very normal. So yeah, in terms of what happens to the embryo, it will just absorb, microscopic. We struggle to see an embryo with a human eye. You have to look at it down a microscope. 
So if you have a biochemical pregnancy, by definition, I guess it is a very, very, very early miscarriage, but wouldn't necessarily have any major symptoms of that. You'd just have a period and it would resolve. Does it mean there's anything wrong with you? It doesn't usually mean there's anything wrong with the mother. can do. If you have delay to pregnancy that is prolonged, you should always seek a full and thorough assessment and there's multiple factors. Women who have recurrent miscarriages and recurrent pregnancy losses often think it's all about the woman. I guess it's important to understand also that sperm has a major role as well. We know that smokers' partners have more miscarriages. We know that men who have chromosomal translocations can have normal-looking sperm on a semen analysis and yet their partners have multiple miscarriages because of the DNA that the sperm gives the embryo being unbalanced in an abnormal quantity. So there are tests that we do that involve both members of a couple in a heterosexual combination to try and figure out if pregnancies are being lost often. But the chance of an ongoing pregnancy per month if two people are fit, healthy, nothing wrong with them is one in five. And the chance of a biochemical pregnancy is one in two. It's really, I think, important to have some reassurance that our body is a gatekeeper and one of the jobs of the body is to resolve a pregnancy that wasn't meant to be. And while that may not give us comfort, it certainly can ground us to the fact that there may be absolutely nothing wrong and it might be the next month everything's fine and a pregnancy progresses. So why do they happen? So look, I break it down into three categories as to why a pregnancy might not continue. And I guess this is the same for biochemical pregnancies as for miscarriages. The first category of problem can be a DNA problem with the embryo. And that can be inherited, like we just mentioned in terms of a chromosome translocation that can come from the mother or the father. But it can also be random. So you can, as a sperm and an egg getting together in the early cell divisions of the embryo or in the cell divisions of the egg, and I can talk to you again about the egg, we can just make a mistake so that there's an uneven distribution of DNA. It's also just to explain that important to remember that each of us walking around has a full complement of DNA and we got half our DNA from the egg and half from the sperm that made us, but we are only going to give 50% contribution of DNA to our babies because the other half comes from our partner or sperm donor. We have to undertake what's called reduction divisions. The cells that make sperm and the cells that make eggs have to kick out extra packages of their DNA in a special process called meiosis, and sometimes mistakes originate there. And because women make all our eggs when we are ourselves a fetus, but meiosis is put on pause until we're ready to ovulate, we make a lot more mistakes in eggs as we get older. And it's just because the process requires a hell of a lot of energy. And by then the eggs batteries are just running a bit low. And so they're a bit tired and they're just more likely to make an error. A deal breaker error can just happen there. Or you can have a perfectly good egg and a perfectly good sperm and they get together and they start off as an embryo, as a single cell, all good, and that cell has to divide, 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 divide. And if a major error happens at one of those very early cell divisions that's like a founder mutation in that embryo, 
and it's a serious error, then that's going to stop an embryo from developing further. We can also have a problem with development that has nothing to do with DNA. And the second reason is a developmental problem in a pregnancy. Imagine you've got an embryo. It's been made by a perfectly good sperm and a perfectly good egg. It's got all of the instruction manual that it needs to make a perfect little human. So now it only has to orchestrate that without making any mistakes at all, which is a pretty hard ask, really. It has to be perfect. It can't make any mistakes that are going to take it off the rails. Unfortunately, it doesn't always happen that way. And it's, it's a miracle and a beautiful one when it does, but it's not surprising that a lot of embryos at the very early stages of development before even the timing of a misperiod, they've got to make every tissue in the human body, they've got to make them in the right place at the right time, in the right confirmation. Mm. They can just make an error and it can be nothing to do with the parents. That's why when just diverging when women have miscarriages in our medical system in Australia, it's often very frustrating and upsetting to women when they're denied the opportunity to have chromosome carrier type testing of their miscarriage if they haven't had three in a row. Uh, but the reason for that is that at least on the level of the government in the public system, it's not considered cost effective to do that, um, which sounds cold and clinical, but it basically means that most of the time there's not an issue and most of the time it's just a random fact that not every pregnancy is going to make it. And we don't find information that changes our management on the vast majority of cases where we do test if we test with a low threshold and the tests are expensive. Mm. So it's that, that's why that decision is, is there at this time with current guidelines in Australia and around the world. In terms of the third reason for a pregnancy not making it, so we've got the right embryo, it's got the right DNA, it doesn't make a developmental error, well, that's environment. So sometimes there's an environmental factor that causes the pregnancy to fail. And that can be at any stage, but it can happen at an early stage. So it might be that there's been a toxin or a drug that's caused failure of implantation. Or it can be a, a teratogen, a problem in development caused by a drug. It can be a physical problem of the uterus like a fibroid structural issue like an abnormality of the uterus that you were born with such as a uterine septum it can be a random thing like a bleed because the, the baby implanting to make a placenta has to find itself a blood supply and it does that by burrowing into the mother's blood supply so you might have a bleed in that area that causes a problem with further implantation or rarely you can have what's called a luteal phase defect where your body and the ovary where the egg was released called the corpus luteum doesn't make enough progesterone for the pregnancy. And that's rare and unusual, but in someone like that, sometimes giving some supplemental progesterone can help. So these are things that we would look into if we were worried about someone having problems either getting pregnant or delay to an ongoing pregnancy or multiple miscarriages. And the final category is immune factor issues. There can be real immune problems in implantation. It's still quite a mystery for some people. In terms of managing problems like, for example, one syndrome called antiphospholipid syndrome, there are medications that we can use to thin the blood that sometimes help. And we can use immune modulating medication sometimes, which 
may work person to person for certain conditions. It's a rare thing that it's an immune problem. And if it's an immune problem, because it is such a rare thing, there are not huge randomised controlled studies to guide our practice. So it's imperative that you're under the care of a specialist physician, ideally a CREI qualified physician who can give you personalised advice. And if treatments are considered that are what I would call empirical or used on the basis of the clinician's best judgment, as opposed to evidence-based medicine from randomised controlled studies of hundreds of people, thousands of people, you know, that has to be explained to you and you need to understand where you stand and what the benefits and what the risks are of any such therapy. How do you know if you need to see someone about this? Because you're doing the tests yourself, probably too soon, as you've said. So how do you know it's, it's worth speaking to a doctor? I would say if you're anxious and it's worrying you and it's stressing you out, you lose very little by going and having a, a conversation with your GP. Remember that your GP has looked after many people in pregnancy and it is ultimately the same group of women who have early pregnancy losses and biochemical pregnancies that do go on and have healthy babies. So that might help you ground where you're at and you might decide, okay, I've had counsel, I understand, I know what next steps are, I'm not going to go down an investigative pathway just yet. Or you might have advice, maybe because of your age, that perhaps looking down a pathway might be a more immediate option you should consider, particularly if you're over 35, because women over 35 do have a lot more spontaneous embryo-related problems, and sometimes technologies can assist with that, like we have IVF with genetic testing of embryos that can help. And for some women, if you've started having a baby after 35 and it's your first child and you might like to have more than one baby over time and you're already having lots of biochemical pregnancies and delayed a pregnancy, you might benefit from talking to your fertility doctor about family planning and whether you want to store some embryos for later so you can have babies with your own eggs at an older age having done that. And I do talk to quite a lot of my patients about, you know, long-term family goals and we decide how many embryos we might like in the freezer for them to help them achieve those goals as part of their IVF plan if they want to go down that avenue. So look, that's very reasonable. And I tend to say if you've tried for six months and you haven't had a baby and you're over 35, that's really the right time to be fully investigated together with your partner and seek help. You can wait a bit longer if you're a bit younger, just because time's more on your side. I would say if you're anxious and worried and it's causing you sleepless nights, just get checked out. You mentioned earlier, I think it was reason number three, that sometimes pregnancy loss is environmental. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah, well, look, in terms of environment, I was really talking about the environment of the uterus and the environment of the woman. So really things like drugs that can cause pregnancy loss drugs that can cause birth defects. There are some drugs that women take that they shouldn't take if they're trying to have a baby. A lot of them would be aware of that and they should be aware of that when they're prescribed. Some drugs we choose to take a calculated risk on. So for example, drugs that might control something like depression or epilepsy. We might take a a calculated risk even though we know that there's an increased risk of miscarriage. The other thing is if you're diabetic, 
So if your blood sugars are running high, you're more likely to have what's called a developmental problem in an embryo. So that's another environmental factor. And getting your sugars under really good control is paramount. And we'd like type 1 diabetes to be managed as best as possible in an ideal world to have a long-standing sugar and HbA1c level less than 7 for sure and ideally less than 6.5 if possible. Getting yourself ready for pregnancy, reducing the risk factors for miscarriage can sometimes help. What advice do you have to give people on this topic? What I would say is I think... It's hard because I don't want to be patronising in any way. Wait till you've had your day when you're meant to get your period before you do a pregnancy test. I, I see online sometimes on different forums how people are asking, when's the earliest I can do a pregnancy test? The earlier you do a pregnancy test, the more likely you are to detect a biochemical pregnancy. And I just think it causes a lot of stress especially if it has been less than six months of trying and there's no reason to suspect if there's anything particularly wrong with you or your partner, any obvious barriers, I would say definitely know about your cycle, time intercourse for the best chance of conception. You can have a listen in our back catalogue to the old-fashioned way. Still, I believe our most popular episode of all time on Knocked Up about how to have sex to get pregnant. It's easy to say and hard to do, but just go with the flow a little bit and at least wait until you're due a period before you do a pregnancy test. And is there anything you can do to prevent these from happening? No, there's not a lot. I mean, apart from what we talked about for specific conditions, so Mm. if we have a luteal phase defect to treat that, if we have an underlying immune problem to manage that, but if there's nothing the matter and we think it's random, then no, unfortunately, this stage of pregnancy is very autonomous. We don't have a lot of influence over it. The pregnancy is very protected. It doesn't have a lot of ways that we can reach a pregnancy. And there's really nothing we can do to save a pregnancy that is doomed to fail as medicos. We can certainly set you up for success. But if an embryo's got the wrong DNA, nothing will save it. If it's got a developmental error early in life, nothing will save it. And there's nothing you're doing wrong most of the time. It's just human biology. Join us on Instagram at Knocked Up Podcast and at Dr. Raylia Liu. Or email us your questions to podcast at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. <laughs>